From the Pennsylvania Convention Center in Philadelphia, it's the ASN Kenny Week 2014 podcast, a discussion of the latest scientific and clinical advances presented at this year's meeting. ASN thanks Opco Health Renal Division for support of this podcast. Welcome. This is Sharon Moe. I'm president of the American Society of Nephrology, and I'm here today to talk about all the fascinating and fun things that happened at ASN Kidney Week today. So with me is... Samir Parikh. I'm uh, from Boston. Sharon was kind enough to have me participate in the program committee this year, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking about what we've done today. And I'm Karen True. I'm from the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, and I also serve on the Postgraduate Education Committee. I'm uh, Anupa Magarwal from the University of Alabama at Birmingham. I'm also really uh, honored and humbled to be the newest uh, incoming ASN counselor. And we welcome you. So let's talk about what is the most exciting thing that we saw either yesterday or today and what really and how you actually took that excitement and what do you plan to do with it when you get back home? Well, I have to say, I, I spent the morning at the late-breaking abstracts, and I was so impressed with the volume of clinical investigation taking place. These are randomized clinical trials that are happening, and everything from polycystic kidney disease to acute kidney injury to dialysis. And, and, and so we have a community of investigators who are engaged in trying to push the envelope of clinical care forward. And the numbers were just astounding. There was an AKI study that had something like ten or 11,000 patients enrolled from around the world. Um, and, and so, you know, as someone who does more bench-based research, I was really heartened by the fact that there is this you know, great community of folks who are trying to translate these insights into better care for our patients. And actually, uh, uh, many of those presentations are being uh, published um, today in New England Journal of Medicine, JAMA, something else in Jason. So these are really, really great um, clinical research studies. Um, and again, even if it's a negative clinical trial, for example, that AKI one says, you know what, patients need to go off their aspirin before they uh, get cardiac surgery. And that information, um, even though the hypothesis was the other way around, actually is very helpful to a practicing clinician. Um, I really enjoyed the plenary so much this morning. It was Dr. Merkin discussing nanotechnology, and it was such a contrast from the day before when it wasn't somebody really looking into the past for answers, and this was really, you know, almost like science fiction. And I thought, as a clinical person, the take-home message from him, him was really not thinking or thinking outside the box and not taking no for an answer, because I'm sure... Plenty of people, as these people were starting their field, were like, that's crazy, that's never going to work, and I think they just didn't listen. I think anyone in that room could take take home that message, and just using this, you know, spherical nucleic acids with all of this research into, you know, cancer therapies, and, you know, as we were all sitting there, I'm sure we thought, wow, I wonder if that would work in this kind of kidney disease or in transplant, and think of all the wonderful things that we could do. And I just really thought it was super interesting, and he was such a great speaker. Yeah, he was. He was really a speaker, and I, I know I kept thinking, okay, so yesterday we had all these genetic defects, single-gene defect diseases, and surely there would be some way if once we could figure out how to make them last longer that we can actually maybe even cure those diseases with this technology. But it does give you hope that as technologies advance, we, we need to advance with those. It was amazing. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed uh, the plenary talks, particularly yesterday and today, because we brought speakers from outside of nephrology that we could 
you know, really educate the audience. And all these are very applicable. For example, Dr. Villaslev's topic was so particularly interesting that he now has a grant to look at diabetic kidney disease. Uh, so it's really great for us to bring people outside the field to really to be disruptive and, you know, really innovate from that perspective was, I think, really, really great. I was very impressed this year by uh, the special events that were held for medical students and trainees. Um, uh, and I've, from feedback that I've just heard from some that they were uh, really felt uh, that we reached out to them in particular to um, make it an enjoyable experience for them. Now, our STARS program, I think they were very engaged, and they got a chance today to speak to all the award winners. So as um, just giving, you know, advice from someone who's been through their career, succeeded on what they could do, what these students and residents could do to, to actually be great nephrologists, hopefully, in the future. My first ASN was as a third-year internal medicine resident, and it was completely overwhelming, and I think even... People reached out and were helpful to me then, but I think the ASN really in the la- in those last you know ten years or however long it's been since I've been a resident have done such a great job in really engaging students and residents and fellows, and it's great because obviously that's what we need. You also went to the the educator program yesterday, right? Well, tell me about that. This has been great. You know, in the past two or three years, um, when we're planning the the meeting with the postgraduate education committee and the program committee there's been such a good response to programs that address how to be better educators and this program it was the title was boost your teaching skills to become a temporary contemporary nephrology educator and right off the bat the first talk was just how do you teach glomerular disease how do you break down physiology that's complicated and it was such a great talk and they went on to do some role-playing exercises on how to teach your fellows to be better communicators. And I just, I took so much away from it that I can just immediately take back and apply at my own um, center. So I'd encourage anyone who didn't get to go to that for sure to catch that one in the on-demand program because that's part of the problem, I guess, of having such a great meeting is there's so many things that you want to hear at the same time. But I'm so grateful that there's that opportunity later to catch those programs that you miss. Yeah, and make sure that you get that code. And add, it is actually a positive thing about the meeting that you can go and catch everything afterwards. So if you're down the hallway and somebody's talking about a session and you're mad you didn't go to it, well, you can make it up. <laughs> well, I'd like to add that maybe a decade ago people would say, the clinicians would say that the ASN is too basic uh, science and the Today, I don't think that's the case. We have a great mix of not only education for clinician educators, but there is phenomenal clinical science, you know, outstanding late-breaking clinical trials, and there's great basic science, too. So we have a good marriage between the two, and it offers, you know, uh, and I think that's why we're seeing, uh, you know, great interest in people attending the ASN. That continues. I mean, the conversations are taking place on the abstracts floor, they're happening right outside the plenary session halls. I was having, a, I, I was trying to reach out to some trialists and say, well, how can we work with your specimens and do some basic stuff? And what can I tell you about some emerging targets that you want to measure in your trials? And so I, I really think that, you know, we, we've, in the years that I've been coming to this meeting, which I guess is now since 2003, so a decade, um, I feel like we've gone from being siloed 
a little bit uh, to having these conversations and really trying to follow through on them. You know, I, I tell the people who work in my lab that, you know, you've got to have 10 conversations to make one new collaboration go. But I think at the ASN, you know, I'm having three or four conversations. And I'm looking forward to three or four of those things, you know, unfolding in the coming months. So, uh, Anupam, I think you're right on. Do you remember what it was like when you were a first-year fellow coming here? Oh, my so this is this is a terrific memory. As Karen was describing, you know, her first time as a third-year student, I was imagining, uh, or a third-year resident, I was imagining my first time, and I had I had marked up my abstract book. I had no one to sort of go around uh, to to the sessions with, and I was just running from poster to poster, grabbing little bits of data, and, and not looking up to talk to anyone. And, and I remember feeling tremendously exhausted and alone, but also exhilarated by all the stuff going on. And I find that nowadays, it's completely the opposite. I go to the abstract floor to learn about the science, but also to bump into people, people whom I don't see, the, 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 the community of folks I don't get to interact with on a daily basis. And so there is this transition. And as you were talking, Sharon, as you were talking about the students who are now involved, I see them moving around as groups of five or six, uh, following fellows and following faculty through the meeting. I'm reminded of the high school dance a little bit. You know, you're <laughs> you're 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 going across the floor, and you don't want to get sort of you know uh, distracted and made fun of and whatnot. But uh, you know, the discomfort in your skin, or at least the discomfort in my skin, has worn off each year that I've been at this meeting, and and the community is so welcoming. You know, so I've anytime I'm seeing a student, I'm just reaching out and saying, Hey, tell me a little bit about yourself. Let me tell you about what we're doing i think the social aspect of this meeting is something we all sort of take for granted or don't really talk about but it is so great it's nephrology is kind of a small world even though there's thirteen thousand something people at this meeting (laughs) you see people that you trained with and you didn't you find out what they're doing and you find out that you may be doing some things together i agree you end up with collaborations that you maybe didn't think you have and i think the the outreach to the younger trainees has really taken off in the last few years. I do feel like it's very different than it was. Not like anyone was mean 10 years ago, but there's certainly you, there's more of an effort to help help them navigate this meeting, which is, you know, a huge meeting, but it's been really fun to see. So, Nupam, what was your favorite thing that you've seen in the last 24 hours here? Well, I was really impressed by a session I was at yesterday, um, besides the plenary talks, which really blew me away. Um, was a session where uh, Ben Humphreys uh, and Paolo Romagnini talked about repair of the tubule following acute kidney injury. Um, even though I've read some of their papers, just listening to that, those two presentations, they were just really beautifully delivered and uh, put the field into a, a better perspective, I think. So that was really outstanding. Did anyone? Um, I, I saw Mary Leonard give the Jack Coburn uh, endowed lecture yesterday. It was excellent on the bone muscle connection, and followed by individuals who've worked mostly in muscle and not bone, and those in bone that's never had never worked in muscle. And so the session achieved exactly what we had in mind when designing it, and that was to bring different groups of investigators together. And I think that's some of the things we think about on the program committee is how to actually facilitate interaction between some people that maybe need to get in the room together to actually spark some new ideas and some new innovation. There was a great session yesterday about antibody-mediated rejection, and it was 
only one nephrologist. It was a pathologist and two HLA lab people and then a nephrologist. And that it was great because there were people that don't traditionally, you know, they had never spoken at the ASN. And it was really fun to hear new talk, you know, new talks from new people. And it was just such a great session and really well attended. So that was a lot of fun. And I really like the plenaries, love to hear from some non-nephrologists because they really, it, it's so important to hear other ideas and just get a fresh perspective. So that was a lot of fun. I, uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, there were two sessions going on at the same time on cardiovascular disease in the CKD ESRD population. And, and it was a fascinating contrast. I was running back and forth um, that, that's a habit that hasn't left me over the last decade, uh, running back and forth between these two uh, symposia. One was focused on sudden cardiac death, and the, the session uh, was given by uh, three faculty. Uh, I think it was three faculty who were cardiologists, uh, and so we caught them before their meeting, uh, and one nephrologist, and they were focused on this fact that one in four ESRD patients will die of sudden death, and it's usually a sudden cardiac death. Uh, and thinking about how do we diagnose this problem, how do we identify the risk factors for this, how do we conduct clinical trials in this area uh, to, to, to help these patients uh, through. And then the other symposium that was going on was asking, what about novel risk factors uh, in this population? So we think about uh, bone mineral disease, vascular calcification, uh, as a non-traditional cardiac risk factor that's important in our population. And this symposium was about, well, what else is there? And so there were talks about the microbiome. There were talks about there was metabolomics in there. It was a real sort of potpourri. And I think, just like Sharon was saying, it, it was meant to spur thinking uh, and putting people in a room together who might not normally come together to ask what we can do to understand uh, what's happening in our patients. One other session from yesterday morning that I was very impressed was the Ebola session as well with uh, Sarah Fabel, uh, Harold French, and French, and Michael O'Connor. Just the fact that ASN could put together at this at such short notice and timely, because I think something like this pertains not just to Ebola, but could be to any other infectious agent that, you know, nephrologists could encounter. So providing that, um, educating our membership, I think that was really timely and I thought was nicely done. Yeah, it was a great session. I agree with you. And many nephrologists are in a position to be working with their um, hospital administration leadership and trying to be and, and really serving as a coordinator of some of these critical care and rapid response types of things. And so um, I agree. I think it was, they did a fabulous job. It was just it was very, very well done. So tomorrow, uh, anyone look through their book yet? Have they figured out? So the plenary session is uh, Beth Levine, who's going to talk about autophagy and metabolic disease. And then Miles Wolf will be giving the Young Investigator Award on uh, maladaptation to uh, kidney disease, and particularly focusing on FGF23. And again, they are both outstanding speakers. Anything else anyone else has looked at? Well, I just wanted to make a comment about uh, Beth Levine. I, I've not heard her speak before. Um, I've heard that she's terrific. I've read her papers. This is outstanding stuff. We're talking about a fundamental process that happens in virtually every cell that's a part of normal health. How does the cell turn over its organelles, turn over its proteins to restore and maintain its normal health? Imagine life without a sanitation crew coming through. Uh, that's what autophagy is. Um, it, it, it's cycling things through. 
And so this is this is a person who's been fundamental to the, to the discovery of this process, the regulation of it. Uh, and so I think that she's going to connect with uh, clinicians and basic scientists alike. So I'm really looking forward to that talk. It's great. When when uh, choosing the plenary speakers, it's uh, we actually screened a lot of their YouTube videos of previous talks to make sure they could actually get up there and really give a presentation because the room is huge, you know, 6,000 people. It's hard to stand up and give a talk if you're not used to speaking in public forums. It paid off. They've all been really great, so I'm sure she'll be great as well tomorrow. Any last comments from anyone? I'm not worried about Miles Wolf being able to do it in front of a few thousand people. <laughs> um, I, I just, I've had a great time this year. It's been a great meeting. Looking forward to tomorrow and San Diego next year. A little bit warmer. Yes, a lot warmer. <laughs> and on that, we'll close. And thank you all for listening. You have been listening to the ASN Kinney Week 2014 podcast. ASN thanks Opco Health Renal Division for support of this podcast. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology. All rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. This podcast should not be used in a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified health care provider if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug, changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast of the American Society of Nephrology.